I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a great topic today. We're talking about visionaries in art and sports and surgery. But most importantly, how do you make your vision a reality? In the case of Tommy Lasorda, a visionary, he could see something in Oral Hershiser that even Oral didn't even see in his own ability. Steve Paulette pulled the, my favorite soundbite of Tommy Lasorda talking about Oral Hershiser. Let's listen to it right now. When I thought about him when he came here and I saw him pitch and the way he pitched, I thought that he didn't have much inside here. He was a negative pitcher. Every ball he threw, he threw with a negative, negative attitude. And then I had that famous one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. I told him he was he was scared I didn't like his name <laughs> I think he should be given another name so I said he pitched yesterday like a scared dog so from now on your name is Bulldog I'm going to call you Bulldog, and you'll be a Bulldog, and you'll act like a Bulldog. And that's what happened. He, he acted like a Bulldog, and he changed and pitched like a Bulldog. And, of course, we broke a record that I never thought would be broken. Drysdale's 58 and two-thirds inning. He had a vision. He had a vision for Oral that even Oral didn't have for himself. That's powerful. Where else in sports, in my lifetime, did I see a visionary deal with a roadblock? In essence, changing the name of Oral to Bulldog. Where else did I see it? Well, for me, it's this phenomenal story of Jeannie Buss talking about her dad, who literally makes a dream come true because of his fortune he made in real estate, actually gets to buy the Lakers in 1979. Listen to how Jeannie Buss talks about Dr. Buss visualizing in an empty arena everything that's going to happen to his team, the Lakers. Let's listen to number two. In 1979, um, you know, my dad was excited about the idea that not only would he be buying the Lakers, but also the LA Kings hockey team and the forum where they played. And he said, imagine being able to go to any concert that you want to go to and sitting in the front row because you own the building where they're playing. And that's exactly what he did the very first night, the, the day of the press conference, he made sure he got a key because he wanted to be able to go into it anytime he wanted. And he took a chair and sat at center court just in, and just took it all in. He took it all in. He's visualizing something that doesn't exist yet, but he's putting clarity to that imaginary vision. Here's the problem. You're about to have a roadblock. What's the roadblock? You're a rookie owner. And you need a star to get off the ground. Incredibly, 
Dr. Buss gets Magic Johnson in the draft. He's thinking, I'm going to build my whole team around this guy. Here's the problem. Magic shows up the first day to his house. Jeannie Buss answers the door. And Magic says, by the way, I'm only going to play with you guys for three years because I'm going back to where I'm from, Michigan, and play for the Detroit Pistons. Roadblock. But not to Dr. Buss. Listen to how Jeannie Buss tells us the story about how her dad, a visionary, dealt with the very first roadblock, getting Magic to stay with the Lakers. Number five. He uh, came to our house, he rang the doorbell, I had the honor of opening the door, and here was this kid with this smile that just blew you away. So I uh, escorted him and Bill Sharman into the house and asked them if they'd like something to drink, made some small talk, and Magic said, you know, I'm really happy that I was drafted by the Lakers, and I'm gonna play here for three years, and then I'm gonna go play for the Detroit Pistons because that's where I'm from. Like, my like, eyeballs blew out of my head. I couldn't believe what he said. Number six. And, um, you know, and you, you gotta imagine, I was 17 and Magic's 19. I mean, we're very close in age. He's just another teenager to me. And, um, but he had this command and this vision of exactly who he was and what he, you know, what he loved doing. And I, <laughs> wait, enough, wait, this isn't the plan. So I ran upstairs to talk to my dad and say, you know, he just told me that he's gonna play for three years and then he's gonna leave. Uh, next. And my dad didn't miss a beat, didn't even stop what he was doing. He said, you know, as soon as he puts on a Laker uniform or walks out on that floor, he's never gonna leave. And that's exactly what's happened because, you know, Magic could be the mayor of Los Angeles. He could be the governor of California. That's how much the state loves him and that's how much he loves this town. My dad knew he was the ultimate matchmaker and uh, they really were, I think, the most special relationship between an owner and a player that's ever been and probably ever will be. It was the confidence that Dr. Buss had in himself what he really was saying to Jeannie wait till he meets me forget about Los Angeles he's never gonna want to leave you want to hear the interpretation from magic himself listen to magic talking about what Dr. Buss meant to him and how he manipulated that roadblock so that he never wanted to leave and listen carefully when magic uses the word vision number 11 i needed a father figure moving all the way here from lansing michigan not knowing anybody dr bus became that father figure he would ask me to go have lunch with him after our practices in palm springs and we would just sit and talk about what his vision was for the organization. And that's what made it happen. He's a visionary with an obstacle. Don't worry, Jeannie. Once he meets me, he ain't going anywhere because he's going to see the world the way I see it. And that's exactly what happened. What about a visionary in art? The other world I love. That visionary is going to have an obstacle as well. Are you going to go through the roadblock or are you going to go around the roadblock? But you've got to get past the roadblock. Well, one of the greatest movies ever made, The Godfather. The director, the man behind it, Francis Ford Coppola, had a roadblock. The president of Paramount said, you can't have Marlon Brando. But what are you going to do now? Francis got around the roadblock by going around the roadblock, but no one was going to stop him from making his vision happen. Let's listen to the opening scene of The Graduate from 1972 and why it was so important to have Marlon Brando be Vito Corleone. Number one. 
Now you come to me and you say, Don Corleone, and give me justice. But you don't ask with respect. You don't offer friendship. You don't even think to call me Godfather. Instead, you come into my house on the day my daughter's to be married and you ask me to do murder, money. They ask you for justice. That is not justice. Your daughter is still alive. Hmm. Now let's meet the roadblock of how he must have Marlon Brando be that character. Francis Ford Coppola, the director, the creator of The Godfather, knew he needed Magic Johnson to lead his team. He needed Marlon Brando. But listen to the first roadblock, number four was um, considered very troublesome and his last few pictures had been big flops. Uh, it was a film called Cuemada. It had done terribly and the executive said if you put Marlon Brando in The Godfather it would be it would be do less business than if you put a totally nobody in it. The president of Paramount told me in these words he says Francis as president of Paramount Pictures, I am telling you that Marlon Brando will not be in this movie. Mm. Number five. Well, at that point, I just, I remember I just fell off the chair and lay on the rug and say, well, if I can't even pursue the few ideas I have, you know, what, what do you expect of me? So they said, all right, we'll, we'll give you three conditions for Brando to be in the picture. Number one, he must do a screen test. Number two, he must put up a million dollar bond that none of his behavior problems will cause uh, delays on the production. And number three, he must do the film for nothing. Yeah, he ain't doing a screen test. He's not gonna do it for free. And he's not putting up a million dollar bond. So you want Marlon Brando? Here's three impossible things because we really don't want you to use Marlon Brando. But Francis Ford Coppola knew it ain't gonna be a hit unless he has his guy. So listen to how he gets around it. Oh, I love this story. Next. So I listened to these three conditions and I said, I said, okay. <laughs> because now they had said, maybe Marlon Brando could be in the picture if I met these three conditions, how stupid they may be. I called up the house uh, that I was given to, to speak to Marlon Brando, and I didn't know him, and I was very, very respectful of him, of course, because of his great, great past work. Number seven. And I said, basically, Mr. Brando, this character is an Italian. Maybe you'd like to experiment a little to see if you can play. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe we can uh, see how I would do it. He didn't know he was doing a screen test. He just was experimenting. I said, we have to be like ninjas. We have to go to Mr. Brando's house, go make any noise, and we'll just sort of photograph him experimenting to be an Italian. Next. So we went, we arrived very early in the morning and no one said a word. I had brought little dishes of Italian cheese, little Italian cigars, little pepperoncini or little sausages, little things I just put around in, in his house. Didn't say a word about it. And he came out, he had long blonde hair. He was very, you know, he was, as I said, only 47. He was quite a handsome young man. And as he came out, he, in a beautiful Japanese robe, I remember. He came out and he, he came out and he took his long hair and he kind of put it up behind his head and pinned it in and he got some shoe polish and he started to make it black and kind of do that. And then he put a white shirt on and I remember he took the white shirt and he was taking his collar, interesting about little seeds of a character, and he started to bend the end of the collar and he said, oh, those Italian guys, the collar is always bent. And, and he even said, oh, maybe his voice should be very hoarse because he shot in the story in the throat. So he puts Kleenex in his mouth to make it happen. He does this incredible transformation and Mar and Francis Ford is documenting this transformation as a secret screen test. But he knows if he takes it back to Paramount Pictures, Bob Evans, the president's going to say, I told you, we don't want Marlon Brando. The roadblock. 
his vision will come to a halt. So what does Francis Ford Coppola do? Different than Dr. Buss, different than Tommy Lasorda and Oral Hershiser. He goes around the roadblock. He doesn't just go through it. He goes around it. Number 11. I took this tape and I didn't know what to do with it. So rather than show it to the president of Paramount Pictures, I decided to go to New York and, 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 and show it to the chairman and the owner of Paramount, who was named Charlie Bluthorn, who was an interesting person. You should read about him. And he had a company called Gulf and Western. It was the first conglomerate. And one of the companies he owned was Paramount. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> Number 12. So I went to his office in New York and I set up this tape in a conference room right outside uh, where Mr. Bluthorn's office was and I knocked on the door. Charlie Bluthorn comes out and he recognized me. Oh, Francis, what can I do? I said, well, look at this. And I turned on the tape recorder and there is Marlon Brando with this long blonde hair rolling it up. And Charlie Bluthorn said, no, no, absolutely not. Marlon Brando, ah. And as he watched and saw this transformation, he said, that's incredible, that's incredible. And finally? And as at that moment, I knew that I had Brando in the part. And of course, they didn't make him do a bond for his behavior and they didn't pay him very much. But in fact, uh, he got the part. And of course, Brando uh, uh, to this day is thought of for that role. Incredible. Just incredible. That's how you as a visionary, even with your own life, you have a vision for your family, your work, whatever. You're going to have a roadblock. We can learn from these guys. Coming up next, we'll learn other examples in sports and in the movie business. We'll be joined by my favorite guest, the great Ben Lyons, calling in. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. It's good to be king, right King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Soon to be a major motion picture. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Without a good hip, you ain't hopping, that's for sure. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Turn the beat Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Turn the beat around. You know, in life, all of us have to be a visionary. Some better than others. But if you're going to have a vision of the future, get ready for an obstacle. Get ready for a roadblock. Dr. Buss powered right through it. Tommy Lasorda powered right through it. And taught Oral Hershiser how to do it. Francis Ford Coppola went around the roadblock and created one of the greatest movies of all time. Why is it such a great movie? Who do you ask this question to? Well, nobody knows it better than my good friend and our favorite guest, the great Dr. Ben Lyons, the doctor of the movies. Ben, thanks so much for being with us. 
Happy New Year, Dr. Clapper. It's great to be on with you this morning. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, the world's falling apart, but I think 2021 is going to be amazing. And um, it's people like you who help make it amazing, Ben Lyons, because of your ability to see the dots connecting in the world of sports, in the world of art. Your favorite New York Knicks are, in essence, a movie coming to fruition. So it's going to be a great year. Teach us, why Why was Francis Ford Coppola so special? Why was The Godfather such a special movie? And the whole idea of those obstacles to create your vision into a reality. Doc, you mentioned the New York Knicks, more of a nightmare last night shooting the basketball against Oklahoma. But I digress. Let's return to the great Francis Ford Coppola, who had a vision... <laughs> And he did not let that vision uh, lose its course because of corporate influence from Paramount, from uh, a renegade producer, Robert Evans, who had his own ideas of what this movie should be. But to Francis Ford Coppola's credit and to lots of filmmakers over the years who have a vision, who believe with their heart of hearts that this is the way that their story should be told, if you can have the conviction and the strength and the fortitude to push aside all of those roadblocks that, like you said, inevitably life will throw your way or the powers that be who don't share your vision or have ulterior motives, oftentimes driven by money, you are able to champion your arts and create something that is truly iconic and will live forever. And that's what Francis Ford Coppola has done with the Godfather trilogy. And the reason I think the Godfather still resonates today is despite this world that for the most I would imagine, I would hope for everyone watching a movie like that is unlike their own. It's a family story. And it's a mm. story of making your father proud, betraying the family, your brothers. These are things that everybody can relate to in their own life. Even if, mm. you know, it's not in, in the world of the mafia, but this, it was romanticized, but we also saw what, how painful it can be when family betrays you. And at its core, um, that that's what's most you know um, connecting to the Godfather is that it's a family, it's an it's a family story. I find it amazing that a man with blonde hair in a ponytail, forty seven years old, would transform into Vito Corleone. That amazed even Marlon Brando that he could do it, but Francis knew this is who it has to be. It's like Tommy Lasorda watching Oral pitch. I don't like your name. You pitch like a scared dog. That's not who I see you. That this ability for a visionary to see in an actor, in a, in a pitcher, something that they don't even see, this is a special gift that these folks have. It reminds me um, of one of the first big movies that I covered in my own career as a film journalist and critic and correspondent. Um, John Favreau, who was known as a as an actor, often playing the best friend or you know the the buddy to a Vince Vaughn in a movie, or you know he'd had a decent career as an actor. The fact he was one given the opportunity to direct a movie like Iron Man, which would go on to spawn the Marvel Universe as we know it today, and it's the biggest franchise in all of, of, of film. He fought Disney and, and Marvel and, and fought the powers that be at Paramount at the time to go get Robert Downey Jr. to go be Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr., we know him today as one of the biggest movie stars in the world. He was not uh, an actor of favor back in 2006, seven at this time. He had been known for his drug use and problems with the law. And the fact that John Favreau, who was an unconventional choice himself to direct a movie like Iron Man, he fought tooth and nail and said, no, Downey is Tony Stark. The relationship between the two characters is so strong. I ha we're not doing this movie without Robert Downey. Can you imagine if Jake Gyllenhaal had been Iron Man? I don't think it would have worked. Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, and that is the heartbeat of the Marvel Universe. 
And it's the first kind of movie I remember in my own covering a film where, yes, a director, a director really went to bat for an actor and, and it paid off. Mm. Today's paper, there's a quote from Wesley Matthews, the new Laker, saying of Frank Vogel, the coach, I've played for a lot of coaches, and you go down the list, like eight of them listed in the paper of who Wes Matthews played for. And he said, Frank Vogel is the best communicator of any coach I've ever played for. Your New York Knicks now have a coach that many people, you know, feel he drives people into the ground and whatnot. But just like in the movies, and in sports, particularly from a coaching perspective, we're talking about visionaries, but we're also talking about how to communicate your vision of what needs to take place. Talk about what your feelings are about your new coach with the New York Knicks. Well, it's nice having a grown-up in the building, that's for sure. And mm -hmm. I'd heard too many stories, Dr. Clapper, over the years of New York Knicks players uh, having a night out on the town and in the meatpacking district, which is, was appropriately named, is now the, one of the premier nightlife areas in New York, filled with restaurants mm -hmm. and nightclubs. And too often players would go out in the meatpacking district and the bouncer would say, hey, how you doing? Your coach is in the back. Do you want to sit next to him? And it's 1 mm. o'clock in the morning on a, on a Friday night. So wow. someone tells me Tibbs is not hanging out at Tau uh, looking uh, in the after hours, you know, uh, after a game. So that's one. That, that, that's nice. But to... to but to, to push people in a way that's supportive, I think, is the key. And this is what you're talking about. The idea of a director asking an actor for another take, another mm -hmm. take, another take, pushing them, but then ultimately getting what's, what's best out of them. David Fincher is notorious. The guy directed movies like The Social Network and, and you know, had doing 30, 40, 50 takes. And many times actors being so frustrated, Zodiac, for example, that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal walked off set at one point. But to mm. be able to push somebody to get to the best of their abilities, that's what I think of with Tibbs. Tibbs is the David Fincher of the NBA, that he's going to get 40 minutes out of Julius Randle, 40 minutes out of R.J. Barrett. You're 20 years old. Go out there and play basketball. We live in this age where everyone is coddled and overprotected and, you know, load managed and all of these things. Tibbs understands that these guys, it's in there within you. You just have to push it to the point of, of to the brink, push it to the edge. And if you can do that, that's where the magic lies. Apparently, Bill Walsh and Shanahan, when he was with the Broncos, Bill Walsh with the 49ers, when they were going into the draft or looking for a trade, would bring the potential new player into the locker room and have the new player talk with the current players for the 49ers during their legendary heyday and the Broncos and then would have the player leave the locker room. He would then talk to his players. Bill Walsh would say, is he a 49er? Is, is he a Bronco, Shanahan would say. Because you, in Thibodeau's case, you almost need his kind of player. You can't transform someone else into a Thibodeau player. That's why Butler was just a fantastic player for him. So to some extent, I guess you as the director or the coach need to look for the actor, for the player that suits you rather than look for that transformation to take place. You see it in Los Angeles, Doc. Oh, he's a Laker, this Laker family. And for far too long, I would be critical of the Lakers for running the, the organization like a family business during the lockout, not keeping the training staff on the payroll, things like that to save money because they don't have the – Despite the, the glamour and the glitz and the notoriety, the Lakers are the only team that's owned you know, and operated like a family business. The, the Bus family is not invested in Fanatics or Bitcoin or StockX or all these other things, Rocket Mortgage or all these other things that the owners in the NBA uh, have their wealth from. Mark Cuban's got a hundred other businesses besides the business of the Dallas Mavericks. And what I have come to learn from covering sports in Los Angeles and being around the Lakers is that, boy, when you need, when your back's against the wall, family is everything. 
and mm-hmm. to have that family and that and to bring in guys who maybe have been cast off or forgotten or a Wesley Matthews who's his father played for the Lakers. He's part of the Laker family. And like you said, eight coaches in now and boom, he finds his guy in Frank Vogel who can communicate to him. And so I think the Lakers do that same thing where they bring guys in. Is he a Laker? Does he vibe with our family thing here? And they've obviously had tremendous success with the most championships in the history of the NBA. Ben, can you stay on for another segment? Dr. Clapper, there's nothing in life that I would rather do. So thank you for that. <laughs> there's nothing because I want to – my professor who taught me how to do knee surgery many, many years ago in New York at the Hospital for Special Surgery, Dr. Ranawat used to say, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You have the beautiful eyes to teach our minds what we should be looking at. And I would love to pick your brain. I'm talking about the graduate. Why do I love it? You've explained really that it's about a family and that's what we can relate. I want to learn more about the top five movies, not so much this year, but I mean of all time and why they are so special from your eyes and from your mind. And we'll get into that. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. I'm going to booby trap him. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. And here I am, a rabbi, every Saturday morning with the congregation base Weekend Warrior. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Steve playing our favorite group. We've adopted them. They've been in the studio a few times. The great Ayaterra with Nick Laportio and Nathan. That boy can sing. Follow your heart. That's what we're trying to do. Before we get into more with the great Ben Lyons, I want to give a shout out to Cedar Sinai, my hospital, for 31 years. The nurses, the doctors, the whole team. But you know what? We do have our visionaries, our fearless leaders that make it all happen. And they deserve a shout out because they're behind the scenes and don't get the credit. The man who runs the hospital is Tom Prizlak, who's amazing. And he sends out notes to all of us who work at that beautiful hospital, applauding all the work that we're doing. But the reality is we need to applaud him for making it happen. The great Brian Croft, Jill Martin, these people don't get talked about enough and thanked enough. They're busy thanking us, the doctors and the staff, but they're the ones also who make it happen for us. So a big shout out and thanks to them. All right, the great Ben Lyons, teach us. I love learning that this mobster gangster movie is really a family. That's, a, that's what appeals to us. The vision of Francis Ford Coppola to put up with this Rob, Bob Evans, this producer who told him you couldn't have Marlon Brando has the chutzpah to be there when the Oscar's given out as if he had something to do with it. He was wow. going to destroy the movie. It just aggravates me to now learn the backstory. The kid stays in the picture. The late, great Robert Evans was a dear family friend of ours. And yes, while his journey on The Godfather was the stuff of legend, uh, one of the, the talk about visionaries or having this is a guy who was a pants salesman, dived in the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel and came out a movie producer and went on to do you know, Chinatown, Love Story, all these movies that, uh, you know, changed, changed American culture. Uh, and, and Evans is uh, one of the true Hollywood mavericks and legends. But, you know, if anybody married nine times, I understand you might have some questions about. 
Nine times he's married, and each of the marriages is like for a year. That's it. Done. <laughs> what a life. And now, you know, no longer with us, but his home in Beverly Hills is known in Hollywood circles as still the best place in town if you want a great tennis match on a Saturday morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I took care of Gary Shandling, the comedian, uh, over the years. And I can say that because he used to call into this show, so it's not a HIPAA violation. And um, he used to have a basketball game at yes. his house every Sunday with all the comedians. It was, I didn't need to take care of the Raiders to take care of football players to get injuries. I just took <laughs> care of Gary Shandling and all the comedians from that one basketball game ended up in my office. It was hilarious. Well, Doc, you said something that's just the idea. The idea of, of having vision and following your heart. My dad, when asked of why he's a native New Yorker and a Boston Red Sox fan, he quotes a French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, who says, the heart has reason that reason itself knows nothing about. And I think that is sort of the essence of what makes for a great movie is that, you know, your, your heart is drawn to it. You might not be the target demographic or audience, but it grabs a hold of you, speaks to you at a certain time in your life, and, and will mm. change the way that you approach your own world. So I'm not going to ask you which is your favorite because that's a ridiculous question. And you probably, <laughs> for someone like Ben Lyons, it has to be broken up into comedies, drama, whatever it is. But take us through some of your favorites and teach us why. What should we be looking for when we look at a movie? Well, again, for me, when oftentimes I'm asked what makes for a great movie, it says it changes the way you look at the world and it changes the way you look at the world of filmmaking. And I'm mm. always director driven. So as a New Yorker, I have affinity for Spike Lee and do the right thing is his seminal work that sadly is as relevant today as it was when he made it back in 1989. Mm. Um, uh, this, the, 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 the the drama of the neighborhoods. I, want, I always love movies that take place in one day and it feels like the whole world is at stake. And it's this one neighborhood, this pizza place, and Danny Aiello's character is stuck in the past, not comfortable with the fact the world is changing around him, the neighborhood is changing, and, and the result is, is so powerful when the Radio Rahim, who is such a beautiful soul, he loses his life at the hands of the police officers. And again, sadly, uh, too relevant to what we see today, but it humanizes all of these people. And, and um, I love Do the Right Thing. Rosie Perez became a star from that. And, and everything from, you know, when the guy gets his Air Jordan scuffed by the guy in the Larry Bird jersey, it's what we love about sports and life <laughs> and, and our differences. And um, I, that's the best Spike Lee movie to me. Uh, a film that played at my wedding, Dr. Clapper, for Friday night. We got a big blow-up screen, and we had a taco truck, the El Chato taco truck from Olympic and La Brea. Had them come out and cater Friday night. We did a blow-up screen of my favorite Woody Allen movie, and that's Annie Hall. I think it's the best <laughs> romantic comedy. Um, when he goes to Los Angeles and he, he gets sick just from being out there, he's under the weather. Um, he, I, I, you know, I, there's so many memorable moments, but I think we've all fallen in love. Or luckily, hopefully we've all been fortunate enough to fall in love uh, in our lifetime. And I think that movie really captures what it's like to just meet somebody like an Annie Hall who is so out of, out of what you would think a guy like Alvy Singer would be looking for. And when he's driving with, you know, his brother-in-law with Christopher Walken in Wisconsin, it's just a wonderful movie that warms my heart every time I think of it and, and was reason to play at my wedding. But uh, another film that's my dad's favorite film of all time that I think speaks to what you're trying to get at here today is The Graduate. Dustin Hoffman playing a character who keeps getting asked, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? And, and that should be the great gift in all of our lives is that we do have the opportunity to go chase what it is we want to do with our life. But oftentimes it can be so overwhelming that we don't know what to do with our life and it's suffocating. And through a relationship with this woman, Mrs. Robinson, he's able to sort of find his meaning and purpose and, and, and his way in the world, which at the end of the day is what we're all trying to do. Um, a film that spoke to me at a time in my life that is probably not deserving of being on a list of this, uh, of this stature on your radio show, but to me was the essence of, again, 
finding that meaning in life. Well, how does the heart have reason that reason itself knows nothing about? It's a movie called Into the Wild that was directed by Sean Penn and starred Emil Hirsch. And it's a true story of a young man who graduated college in Georgia and decided to find meaning in his life. He was going to go live off the land in Alaska. And he hitchhikes and makes his way across this country, meeting different characters along the way and kayaking in the Colorado River and, and falling in love and all these things. And he eventually lives off the land in Alaska. And the poor soul, he lost his life by eating a poisonous potato. But he wrote journals and left um, memories of his journey. And it's just, it caught me at a time in my life, Doc, when I was 24, 25, just embarking on this crazy thing called Hollywood. And just reminded me to get out of your comfort zone and go out there and see the world and meet people and have experiences. So mm. Into the Wild is a film that oftentimes I go back and revisit when I'm looking for inspiration and, and meaning. And, and another one I want to throw on your list is the greatest sports movie of the last 20 years, and it's not a sports movie. Ask Kyrie Irving what his favorite sports movie is. Before he passed, Kobe Bryant, this was a movie that he was obsessed with. It reminded me of my, my relationship with my high school basketball coach, who I still often have nightmares, and I wake up and he's screaming, Lions, you're a senior, and you didn't get back on defense. But it's a movie called Whiplash, and J.K. Simmons won the Academy Award, hmm. starring Miles Teller as a, NY, as a NYU uh, drums, a musician, a drummer. And boy, the relationship between teacher and student, coach, athlete, surgeon, and understudy, or whatever you call them in your line of work, um, mm. that, that's a, a dynamic that we all can relate to. But it pushes Miles Teller to the brink of insanity, to master his craft, find his life's meaning, train his, his hands are bleeding from the, from the constant playing of the drums. That's a beautiful film that I go back again and often revisit. So those are a few that come. Did I give you five or I might have left you short? I might have. No, no, no. This five. is great. This is just great. Yeah. So you know, when I look at the films, these dynamics, these relationships that I look for in cinema and I try to apply to my own life that change the way I look at the world and change the way I look at, at the craft of filmmaking. I could clearly talk to you for hours, which is what I enjoy doing. But I have one final question before we run out of time. When I look back on my life, combining the world of art, the world of sports, I find that through it all, the person that I never met who speaks to me and, and in creating my life in this path was Steve Sable from NFL Films, who actually married art and sports in creating that NFL films. Tell me a little bit about your feelings about Steve Sable and NFL films. It's unbelievable, Doc, when you go back and you watch some of those, those pieces about these games to turn these, I mean, these men who have sacrificed their body and their, their mental health to entertain us on Sundays, he was able to give them the, the tributes that they deserve, the, the Viking funerals, if you will, of mm -hmm. having these men become immortals through his craft of filmmaking. And at the time, you know, we, didn't, we were not afforded the thousands of replays that we see on SportsCenter every night. These are how these plays, these men, these moments in American history are preserved and captured for generations to come to see them move in slow motion back then and to hear the music and the voice. It just made them larger than life, which they truly are. I have, you and I are very lucky. Well, we have met uh, many of our childhood heroes, but I've never met a football player who I say, hey, show me something funny about your body. And they don't blink weird or show me a, a finger that goes a direction that a finger should not. Every one of these men have, have had their mm -hmm. bodies, their most sacred temple, forever altered and Steve Sable was able to create movies and films that honored that sacrifice um, is forever a part of this country's history and we're, we're lucky that we're able to have those movies to revisit and show the next generation of football fans you know who uh, of what it was like um, back then when the game was just coming to be so I, I forever like you am in awe of that man and the work he was able to do well I see you as a distant cousin of Steve Sable, because you are so comfortable 
in the world of sports and in the world of art and filmmaking, just like he was. So one day when they need to make the Steve Sable story, it should be produced by Ben Lyons, in my opinion. Uh, I appreciate that, Dr. Clapper, because as my <laughs> life would have it, I'm told that I'm somehow a distant cousin of the late Super Dave Osborne. So, <laughs> I do have a distant cousin of, uh, of uh, some type of stature in this world. <laughs> ben, thanks so much for getting up to be with us. We really always love having you, and so do the fans. Thanks so much. You say something every week on your radio show where you say, do something nice for a total stranger. And yeah. my gosh, Dr. Clapper, in 2021, those words could never be more appropriate. I hope yeah, everyone listening is able to go out there and spread a little bit of joy in their universe because we need it now more than ever. You're right. God bless, Ben Lyons. Amen. Have a good day. We'll catch up later. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks, Warriors. Laker, thanks, Laker fans, for Julius Randle. Goodbye. Take care. <laughs> He's a... He's a Nick fan through and through, the great Ben Lyons. All right, Warriors, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. we got a quick last segment, but let's do some Clapper Vision. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show on 710 ESPN. To your darkest of Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers, aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Sell any people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I appreciate so much. Chris Morales getting the sound bites from Max and just heard Keyshawn. But don't forget to listen to one of my favorite hosts on this station, Scott Kaplan. He's not afraid to speak his mind, and I just love listening to him. Scott Kaplan's show. Don't miss it at night. All right, Warriors, let's do a let's do some clap revision. The clinic will be open. Can't wait to tell you about what we're gonna do next week. But well, let's go to Barbara. You're on with Dr. Clapper. Thanks for waiting for so long, Barbara. I can't get no to everybody, worries. but I definitely got to get to you. No worries, Dr. Clapper. I look forward to listening to you every Saturday, so I really enjoy your show. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. So anyway, I, I just have a messed up back, so I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, How young are you, and what do you do I'm, for a living? I'm 69, and I'm a radiologic technologist. And you did oh. my a couple years ago. Oh, <laughs> how's it you doing? Remember? I'm good, good, except for my back now. <laughs> you know, being on my feet for 50 years, it's, it's suddenly you know starting to give out a lot. You know, so um, in I your occupation, Barbara, in your occupation, do you have to wear a leaded gown often? When I was doing radiology, uh, you know, doing fluoroscopy, working in surgery with doctors like you, I had to wear lead apron. Uh, at that time, and, I don't do it anymore. I, I switched to mammography now, so I don't have to wear any lead aprons. So. Well, that's a big help because that leaded yeah. apron is the oh. reason you've got degenerative discs in your lower back. You know, it's very important important. to focus in on the exact nature of the problem. Uh, even though I might not tell you a different treatment, but you mm -hmm. do owe it to yourself to get an updated x-ray or MRI of your lower back to see. Yeah, I have one. The key thing I have one. is... How many levels in your lower back are involved? Is it a single level or is it multiple levels? There's several levels, but the main one right now is L2, L3, where I have a, a posterior central disc, disc extrusion, uh, 6 by 11 by 13 millimeters. Do you have a foot drop? Can you walk on your toes and your heels? I can, but since I've had this and before I knew I had it, I fell several times not knowing why. I just felt like I, my legs just gave out on me. You know, it just walked mm. my dog and I just would trip. I would trip very easily. I almost felt like I was dragging my feet a little bit. This is what I'll tell you. I don't have a lot of time, but sure, this is what, 
please don't let anyone talk you into cortisone, epidurals, no shots, no stem cells, no cockamamie needles into your body, please. You know how much, you listen to this show, how much I love the water, but we need to get sound advice for your spine. And there's a couple of surgeons, I'm going to give you names at Cedars, that I would go to myself for their opinion for what you're going to need. Uh, one is named Terrence Kim, K-I-M. He's at Cedars. And the other guy is Lionel Hunt, like going hunting. Those are Leonel two okay. terrific doctors, terrific persons. They'll be honorable. They'll be honest with you. And what I would love you to do, Barbara, is go see one of them, get, get you know their opinion, and then double back with me. And I will tell you, do I agree, not agree? Is it sound okay. advice? But that's what I'm going to want you to do. That would be the greatest way to take a complicated situation where the whole stack of Oreo cookies, the bone mm -hmm. is the cookie, the cream filling is the disc. You don't really have a problem with one cookie in the stack. You've got some crumbling of all the cookies in the stack, yeah, I sure but we need to figure out which one is the biggest troublemaker. And I need their opinion and then you and I will talk. How's that? Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper. That's wonderful. wonderful. It's a pleasure advice. to take care of you and to talk to you. And again, like Ben Lyon says, like I always say, you're not a total stranger because you and I have met before. But today, Barbara, go find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I'd love to. I'd love to. Okay. All right. God bless you. You're Thank very you. welcome. God bless you too. Okay. My Bye -bye. pleasure. All right, Warriors, let's talk about next week. My guest is Stan Conti the trainer for the Dodgers for many, many years. And we're going to talk about the knuckleball and how does it relate to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Phil Necro passing made me think of it. We'll get into it next week. Until then, I leave you with Molari. See you on the radio. Volare.